Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is not the Cotter Show, but this is It Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. Look, connect with me on IG at CVMK33. I have an exciting episode for you today. Church myths, lies, and phobias. I have asked these four gentlemen to be on because these are leaders in the body of faith, but they are real individuals, real ones. I have with me None other than the Reverend Jameer Atkins, Pastor Damon Williams, the elder of Prayer Tower, slash assistant Pastor Damon Doris, and my brother, the community activist. And even though he's, yeah, this this brother, trust me, be preaching, I, I love him to death. Tim Kincaid, how are you guys doing? Doing well. All is well, fam. Awesome, awesome. Look, we got an excited one. I'm gonna hit it off with some questions, but look, next. Few episodes are gonna be lit. I'm telling you, we got colorism, we got black beauty. I have um, what are we dealing with? The legalization of marijuana politics today. It's gonna just be amazing. That's coming down the pipeline. But I want to get it started with the first question. I'm pitching it to you, Demond, because it looked like you've been working out. You look like you're ready for this. Just got back. (laughs) Just got back. I saw the video today. (laughs) I want to pitch the first question to you on church myths, lies, and phobia. This idea of once you give your life to Christ, once you get saved, there are no more problems. What is oh, wow. wrong with this idea? Once you're here in the church, come down to the altar, give your life, everything will be all right. Well, I, I, I think what people sometimes forget to understand that when they get saved, they're looking for this big this feeling. You know, they, they want this feeling, this euphoria. And uh, I, I know when, when the first time I really felt the power of God, um, I, I felt a feeling that I had never felt before. But I think people get hooked to that feeling because salvation is really a lifestyle. And like any other lifestyle, it has challenges. Uh, the devil is still trying to tempt you. The devil is still trying to pull you away. He does not want you to live a, a holy life. So th- there are still challenges. I, th- I think people think that problems go away because you get saved. Problems don't go away. Just uh, once you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you just have power over problems. And uh, I, I think people have to understand that sometimes after you get saved, especially in the beginning, you're probably going to have more problems. That's when you're most vulnerable. That's when the devil really wants to pull you away. Uh, so I, I think that the the myth that problems get better. I, I've been married 17 years. My wife is saved. I'm saved. We still have married problems. We still have kid problems. Uh, I know we, we do. Still, we, I know we, we still have we, hey, we still have bill problems. Bill, bill problems don't go away because you got saved. Money's tight, you know, whether you're saved or not for us. Maybe you are, you know, balling. I don't know. But, that, you know, I, I think. But but we don't we don't let those problems uh, overcome us because we have salvation. We don't let those problems manifest into something that they don't need to be. I'm not out looking for other solutions outside of my home because I I, I do believe that I should walk with Christ and, and and follow His teaching. Awesome, awesome, Reverend Jameer. Once you get saved, there's no more problems. Uh, Demond hit it on. Look, we still have problems, and a lot of times when you get saved, you are initially more vulnerable. Therefore, the increase in problems might happen. What are your thoughts? I agree with that 110 percent. That uh, it's a definitely uh, not to sound churchy, but it's uh, when you're going to when you're going to feel it most is during those times, especially when you're just on that transition, because it's truly the crucifying of your flesh. Apostle Paul said it best. He said, "Even when I try to do good, evil is present," meaning that that I have to suffer through this thing that we call salvation. And now, uh, but the the benefit of it is, is that. I don't go through this thing alone. I, I begin to develop and develop my character and develop my faith through the situations that I'm facing. Not that they go away, not that they disappear, but now 
with by the grace of God. I like those twins, grace and mercy. They are carrying me through those challenging conversations, those challenging times, those challenging uh, COVID-19 experiences, those financial crises. I just understand now that I have a better a better foundation, not in what I attain attain through my own mind, but by through the grace and the mercy of God and the witness of and testimony of others that have went through it. And it's the journey that builds me and develops me along the way. Awesome. Tim, I'm going to pitch this to you and then name it. I'm going to hit you with a curveball because that's what we do here on It Is What It Is. Once you get saved, you grew up, you're in the church, you're a member of Progressive. Once you get saved, there's no more problems. What are your thoughts on that? Psych. <laughs> Whoever you said. Um, man, hey. Wow. You know, more, I feel like more, it's like more money, more problems, more Jesus, more problems. You know, when you're a follower of Christ, you are succumb. Like you literally have trials and tribulation that set up for you as a child of God. Your tests and your trials, like you have to go through something to over, to become, a, to be an overcomer and to be able to share and have a testimony. Um, while you're saved, we all got testimonies of how we came out of darkness and into the light. But those of us that can can attest to that and say, yo, I used to live this way. God brought me out of it. Now I'm living this way. I'm married now. Oh, now the devil trying to take my marriage. I got children now. Oh, now the devil trying to come between the children and, 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 and the parents. Oh, I'm older now and I'm trying to seek wisdom from, from the elderly. Oh, now the, the devil is coming between the, the older generation who, who are more wise than us and coming between them and us where we can't receive knowledge from them. We have to, you know, literally break through all of these different, all of this is, is so many barriers that we have to break through as, as children of God. And it's so, it's easy to get discouraged. Like it's easy to get, to just say, I quit and just fall back into the world and be, you know, live like the world live and do what the world do. So when you become a child of God, would be the most challenging time that you probably ever have in your life. Awesome, awesome. Name it. I want to take it up a notch because everybody has hit on it. We're married. This understanding that, oh my, my God, once you say I do, uh, once you ask her hand in marriage, you'll never be tempted again. You will <laughs> never see something that you don't like. There will never be a woman who will not catch your eye. I'm going to speak candidly. I love April to death. I love April. April is my, I'm not leaving. You can, you can pay me. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. But don't, don't get it twisted. I'm still all man, all human. <laughs> I'm still, not, you know, not to say like all oh man, but you know what I'm saying? I'm still, I'm still in this thing, man. I still see what I see. I still like Meg the Stallion. And if I'm not careful, I might spend too much time on Instagram. Tell me about that. Tim, tell me about being married, man. That real, that lie that is told that once you say I do, all of a sudden the urge to want to do other things disappears. Well, whoever said that, they tripping. Okay. <laughs> all right, let me tell you that first of all. They they tripping. But let me, let me, let me throw you a curveball back too. Like, I want you to understand, everybody needs to understand this. We ain't the only one, men ain't the only one who sees attractive people. 
Hello. Our wives see attractive people too. Amen. Come on now. Amen. <laughs> they just know how to do it and say he's uh he's sensitive. <laughs> you know, we say, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's definitely a myth in in the, in the church. Um what I love about me and my wife, she's a my wife loves Will Smith. And he might need her right now, huh? Right, yeah, he can have a right. Hey, he down for entanglements. Right. So I'm not, you know, I'm not tripping because I prefer for us to be able to talk about other people that are attractive instead of us just going to our grave and acting like we ain't never seen nothing that walked past us in the mall at church or anywhere else. So yeah, I mean that's definitely a myth, but we don't talk about it because. You know we're holy, right? Why don't Why don't we talk about it? And Demond, I throw it to you. I, I'm human, you know. Just because I might like her, the way she's developed, I have no interest, right? I always say it like this: I love looking at Lamborghinis. I'm compl- I am content with my Mazda CX-5. First of all, I can afford the note, and I can afford the maintenance, and I have no place. I would not even trust a Lamborghini in Chicago. That thing would get snatched. So why can't I be who I am? Why do I have to pretend like I don't have these feelings? Well, I, I don't think it's so much that you have to pretend you don't have these feelings. Um, I once heard a pastor say that uh, it is natural for men to stray and men to cheat. And I was kind of offended by that when I first heard that because I've never had the desire to step up on my wife. But he mm-hmm. said, once you get saved, the Lord gives you supernatural ability to, to stay with that one woman. So I, I had to get out of myself and say, you know, maybe the reason I am is why I am not because of anything that I'm doing, it's because of what God is doing. But I think women under know uh, just instinctively that men tend to look. And unfortunately, we have a history where men just tend to stray. I mean, let's, we got to be honest with it. Men tend to stray. Now, I think for us, most of the time, it's not emotional. You know, we just see something we like. and We just want to get with it, do whatever we want to do with it and throw it away because that's just how we are. Where women, they, they, when, when they give their bodies to a man, most of the time, it's because of a, a, a deep emotional connection. And I think they don't understand that we don't always need that because it's just in our nature to do what we do, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, you know, we all, we all save sanctified, Holy Ghost, but it's in a man's nature to do what he want to do, you know, and, it, and it's, it's only by his grace and mercy that, that, that we don't, we don't succumb to those feelings. But I, I just think it's hard for women to understand that because for them, I, 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 I don't like for my wife, I know for her to, to really get into, to become intimate with me, she had to have an emotional connection with me. I just saw her walking down the aisle and thought she was fine, you know. Right. And you know, I I got I got an um, emotional connection with her later, you know. I mean, I would if, if she'd have let me go, I would have went. I'm just gonna be honest. Can we keep a hundred here? I I'd have went that night, you know. I didn't have to, all I knew was her last name. You know what I'm saying? She she's not like that. Most women are just not like that. And right. I think we I think it's hard for them to understand that that we can have. That's what you have guys with you know that four or five side chicks and say, well, but I love this one. He's not lying because yeah. we don't need that emotional connection to make that physical connection. Right. No, well said. I don't I don't personally when I saw my wife, I didn't, it had nothing to do with her worship. I I didn't even know she was saying I saw her walk. I saw her walk to her room. I met her at her house at a at a party and I saw her walk and I saw what I liked when she was walking. I was like, oh, I'm I'm going. You know what I'm saying? But look, that's honest to God. Like men don't need that emotional connection. For us, it's gonna be physical first. Look, if I was single. 
on on leg day on Mondays, I would I would live at the gym. I'd be like, I'm not leaving this thing, you know. Tim, first year of marriage you just completed. Talk to me about that transition. What has been a a real uh, opportunity? I won't even say struggle, but an opportunity for you as uh, having your human nature and and trying to mesh it with the spiritual calling that's on your life. Can y'all hear me? Okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah I got you. okay. Yeah. Uh, my so biggest challenge for me is like honestly, I'm scared of God. Like I'm scared of the wrath of God. I ain't even gonna lie to y'all because. Like so many times where I messed up in the past, like, okay, my freshman year of college, I had straight A's. I was on the board, right? I was good. Second year, I met the girl. We moved in together. My junior year, I played house. I was shacking. We got engaged. I thought I was living a dream. Next thing you know, I was flunking out of school. So then God, you know, he, he turned it around for me. Um, I moved to Atlanta. My first year there, I was on top of it. You know, got promoted doing my thing at LA Fitness, met a little sweet girl from Atlanta, did the same thing, moved in with a shacked up. He kept giving me these gifts and I kept abusing him, fornicating, doing all of that, cheating, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Um, came to Chicago uh, to, to, you know, do my, do my thing, uh, finish my education and stuff like that. Um, and um, I ended up finding another young, young lady. Uh, did the same thing, right? Moved hand to crib with, where I was at, right? Trying to trying to be the hero, trying to save the day. End up, you know, having sex outside of marriage, just doing all the things that I know I'm not supposed to be doing. And God took that away from me. Every female that I ever dated was wife material, right? I wouldn't out, you know, on the block grabbing chicks left and right. It was somebody that I saw that could have potentially be my wife, that she was a gift. I abused the gift. God took it away from me. So when I, I gave my life to Christ. I was like, look, God, I, I, I fully trust you. Like, I, I love you, God. I'm, I've been out here tripping. I, I put my hands up. I went to church. I went to Progressive. I laid at the altar. I cried out every week, man, for like four weeks. I finally joined the church. And my wife, auntie, who went to the church, saw my praise and walked up to me. He's like, you know what, young man, I really love your praise. I want to invite you. I want to uh, introduce you to my niece. And so I'm like, okay, what she look like, you know, you know how, how we are. Gave her my right. business card, got a phone call a week later. We hit it off. And um, and so it was it was the it was one of the most beautiful things. And I knew that it was because I fully submitted myself to God that He gave me this final gift and was like, look, son, it's up to you because you got free will. Either you can screw it up or not. And I told my wife, like in the beginning, we were physical, and I was like, "Look, we gotta stop this because if I continue doing this, I'm, I'm gonna lose you, just like I lost everybody else. And yeah. I'm afraid to lose you. I'm afraid to miss this gift." And so, for two and a half years, we we took a vow of celibacy, and you know, shoot, we got married. Like, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like, I'm scared to of what God will do to me. But this, so I am afraid of the wrath of God when it comes to certain things, certain, like when it comes to breaking certain commandments, like when it comes to that part of it, I'm yeah. like, look, you look good, shorty, but I'm straight. I'm gone. I'm over here. Like I look, I look like that. I, I try not try not to look too long. I try not to scroll too much. I try right. my best to just, we, we got, we got the nature like, and then the enemy is he busy and he know what kind of dude I am. So it's like, like well, when you think about your father, 
And you think about, man, my daddy will beat my my daddy will chastise the heck out of me, Lord. And would rather you convict me right now than me do something, and then you have to put me in a place where I may not be able to get out of. And so that's that's what's keeping me, you know, at bay when it make, comes make, to that situation. Makes sense. Look, it's it's hard not to double tap certain photos, uh, but. <laughs> but but there's a consequence to that jameer this is perfect for you you are in a unique you're the only one on here not married but i think that is your unique uh position right now uh you are a leader in the body of faith um you are in ministry that's got to be aggravating right when i was dating i wasn't an, an elder uh i you know I, I i i could if i were to fall let me say this if I were to fall, I didn't have much, you know, I didn't have far to go. Nobody would hear the pin drop. You know what I'm saying? So, right. you know, so I was, there was a certain comfort in knowing like, oh, I'm good. You know, so, but for you, you are a little bit more elevated. If you, if you mess up, you know, your stuff might be screenshotted, right? So <laughs> talk to me, talk to me about that struggle. Uh, well, just being honest, um, and I think that women, I think especially with those who are uh, in leadership in churches, women attract to power and leadership, right? So uh, the, the the mantle is just as heavy upon us. Not only uh, can someone say, well, oh, no, they look good, they, they, they're easy on the eyes, but they also attract to that other thing. So it's presented way more often. Uh, in fact, a couple weeks ago, I got a text like, hey, send me some pics. I'm like, uh, no, you're not going to get me because... What happens is is that uh, you're tempted. I mean, women are attracted to the leadership when you go out, uh, and I and I agree with Tim, uh, Tim with that. It's like uh, you the burden of is so much heavy. So for me, um, and, and and let's be try, quite honest, I, I'm not going to bring up the Kojic and the Baptist confrontation about uh, some of what they used to say about Kojic people. But you know, Kojic people do something else. I said they say Baptist preachers smoke cigarettes right after they get that preaching. But what I will say is, is that um, when you walk in the calling that God has on your life, uh, it's very hard sometimes to walk among other brothers in the faith, too, because some people are not living holy. Some people are not living, you know, they like, man, I see it. I act on it. So when you come and say, you know what, I consecrated myself and to God since you might help me. Sometimes you're ostracized because some brothers are like, look, I'm enjoying it. I saw it, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And they really are living out that commandment. And so you're ostracized inside the church. So for me, it's just truly, uh, it, my spiritual mother used to always tell me, she said, ministry is a very lonely place, Jermaine. And I never understood the magnitude. You can preach, people can get saved, people can get delivered. But at the end of the day, you go back home and you're by yourself. And so you have to, and uh my mother passed when I was in 2007. And one thing I used to pray for my mother and God showed it very clearly to me is that, Lord, you keep my mind because it is. I mean, when you're doing ministry and you see God opening up doors and you see people are calling for you to help in different areas, one part, you could take it to your head. But then you always think about what will it be if I had to help me to carry this burden and this cross with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it becomes one of those things where you just have to truly uh, not be of lip service, but be of action and truly hide his word in your heart that you may not sin against it because your flesh is easy to fall. Uh, and I'm telling you, I'm not blind. 
I totally agree. I have to keep scrolling on Instagram. Uh, I have to keep, you know, sometimes I put that phone away because temptation is real. But uh, I love Christ more, uh, and I love and I and, and and I love God more, and I love the work that I do to help. And so I believe that in God's due time, He's gonna send me that bride, and she's already out there. I'm being perfected on this journey. She's being perfected. Uh, but I told the Lord I'll be 32 on Thursday. God, my time. Uh, a man shall not be alone. That's what the scripture says. Uh, so, um, you know, but in God's due time, I keep hope alive in the words of Jackie Jackson. Keep hope alive. All right, ladies, you heard him. He is single and ready to mingle. Slide into the DM <laughs> right now. When I put the link, you'll have his number up. So you'll be able to contact him here and be like, hey, look, I heard. I'm ready too. Like, I want to talk about the DM. I want to tackle this question. I'm going to throw this to name and then I'm going to take it up another level. Uh, how do you walk in holiness as a single man alone until you find what you need? I'm going to say this. Uh, that process is a very burdensome process. Uh, it's a lot of lonely nights mm-hmm. and yes, tears. I'm going to be honest with you. It's hard not to have sex. You know, it's hard not to do it, right? Like, it's just hard. And then when you get saved, and especially if you know, you know, like, if you was if you was sucky, you know, you might not be wanting to play. But if you know, you know, who you can spaz, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to delete certain numbers. It's hard to delete certain memories, you know. <laughs> it, begins, it is hard. It begins with commitment. It's, it's a lot of... Uh, a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of video games they got for uh, Xbox. There's a lot of calling the mind, you know, seeing if I need to, you know, go to Walgreens and get certain stuff. <laughs> but it's, it's wild. I'm going to throw this to you, name it. You are a pastor. If you one of your young people came up to you, and then I'm going to take it up a notch. In one minute, explain how would you walk in holiness as a single man? Oh, wow. I, actually, I get this question asked a lot um, with my youth department. Um, I would... I would literally say seriously and not being cliche as just one second at a time. You really can't get ahead of yourself thinking that because uh, temptation for all of us, like for me, deliverance. Deliverance for some men is not being around it. Mm. So mm. some of us can't handle being in the room with it. So our deliverance, deliverance is predicated of not us being in the room or associated with it. Other people can be right bad and it won't affect them. You know, so it's a different uh, mentality for each man for what we've been through, more or less say in our lives. Um, the one thing I would say is try to find someone who's like-minded as you is because many times your friends and your circle will have an influence on you to do something that you were in between doing. Like many things that I've done I think that I was not under the influence of alcohol, but I might have been under the influence of my circle. So Mm. I would say to make sure that circle that you have is like minded as you and you can kind of go on this journey um, together because it is it it is a definitely it's a it's a lonely it's a it's a lonely journey. But you're never alone. The Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. But we do get lonely. So that, that, that that would be my advice. Awesome. Let's turn it. Let's take it up a notch. I'm going to hit on something. Um, I get it. The church needs finances. It needs money to run. 
the lights need to be paid. It has people on salary. Ministry is not cheap. Um, my pet peeve, I do not believe in the $100 miracle line. I have been at many services where you have to stand in line and donate this seed offering. And somehow the seed offering is actually going to activate my blessing. A couple <laughs> problems with that. First of all, it isolates people who are economically struggling uh, because if they can't afford it, you know, how would they have access to it? It seems like God is now uh, allocating in, in economic oppression. The second problem is with that. If I could have paid for it a long time ago, I would have just gave the hundred dollars. You know, so, <laughs> I want to talk to you. You invite a you invite a prophet up. You invite a pastor to speak at your church. Pastor Dave, I'm sorry with you. Then Demana hit Tim Jameer. The miracle line, the mirror, the hundred dollar miracle line. What are your thoughts? Well, I've only experienced it once, being the senior pastor, okay. and I did get up and apologize. After the person was done, I did because I had no clue that that was going to happen. It was just early um, in my pastoral ship. Um, Cody, I, I, I definitely agree with you. But the one thing that we do have to be careful in is the uh, process of the seed and harvest. I do believe in that. The problem is, is that we manipulate the process so man gets the glory out of what you are going to receive. Whatever the transformation is of the seed, truthfully, none of us have anything to do with it. We really, really don't. So in that, I, I, I am completely with you. And, and being a Kojic pastor, I think we probably use that, uh, use that more than other, other um, reformations because um, I'm a musician by trade. I play for every reformation that it is, but ours have a tendency to do more than one offering, or if we don't do more than one offering, we're going to hit them hard in the beginning. So uh, I definitely agree with you. I'm just, I do, but I do believe in the seed and harvest principle. though. Awesome. Damon, I come to your church. Your dad invites me to speak. Uh, not me personally, but advice okay. preacher to speak um, and stands up at prayer tower at you guys new beautiful edifice and says, if you want a miracle by Tuesday, you're going to sow $500. If you want it by Wednesday, you're going to serve $200. And if you want it by Thursday, you're going to stand in the $50 line and everybody else can just get five. What goes through your head when you see stuff like that? Well, something that, that, you touched on earlier, and I, and I agree with what Pastor Damon said. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to be blessed to be born to a hardworking two-parent household. Uh, I remember when my parents didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, they got married very young. They were 20 and 19 when they got married. I was born a year later. So I had very young parents. I remember when we struggled. I remember when we couldn't pay bills. Um, I remember when things were just were just hard, tough, but we, we always went to church. Uh, I, I can't imagine how my 20, 22, 23-year-old mother and father would have felt had someone told them that they need to give them a $75, $50, $100 seed offering to be blessed. When I saw how hard my parents were working, um, I saw how hard they were struggling in the beginning. And, and, and I know they would not have been able to afford that in my young childhood. Uh, fortunately, my father was blessed to, to move up in his company. My mother started working and my family became, uh, we were able to move up in, into the, you know, higher into the middle class as I got older. So now when those types of situations happen, um, we, we can be a blessing. 
But I often wonder, like, there's, I know there's still families out there who are still struggling, like my family was struggling 30, 40 years ago. So what? So does that leave out those families? Because I, I remember being one of those families. So I've, I've never I've never liked it. Uh, and, I, and I do understand that the bills need to be paid. I do understand that being part of a ministry is expensive. I'm the executive pastor of my church. I handle all the bills. I pay the mortgage. Um, I take care of all the business of my church, special events. Um, I take care of our administrative department. So I understand that the church needs money. But I should I, I just don't ever think that that finance should be more important than lowering or, or hurting the esteem of some of its own members, because people. What about, a, 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 a you know, you have a member that's born to a single mother or a single father who may not have the access to, to move up in class as quickly as a, as, a, as a married household. You know, they may not have the support. You know, I have a, a big family. My, my parents have always had a lot of support. And because of that, now I have a lot of support. They were to send me to college, not just because of things that they did, because because of things that my grandparents did. And they were fortunate enough to have, have strong parents. So I, I just, I, I don't like to, to make families that may not have been born with that support. They may not have been blessed with that type of support to feel isolated and feel like they can't be, they can't let down, they can't fully participate in the ministry just because they don't have financing. So, I, so I've never liked that. Awesome. Tim, uh, like as you shared your testimony, your story, your journey, you and your wife, Nicole, go to a church service um, and uh, prophet um, Aquafina comes and decides, hey, look, I'm raising anybody that wants a miracle. I'm starting the miracle line off at a thousand dollars. What are your initial thoughts when you hear things like that? Well, it may so you know, growing up in the Koji church, like you see it, especially when those prophets come to the church, guest guest speakers and stuff like that. So I've seen it, heard it. I get uncomfortable. It's like I compare that to bringing JB Prisoner to speak to the congregation for the for the black vote, right? It makes me uncomfortable like that sometimes, right? And so I have to get out of my out of my emotions and get out of my feelings and then ask God to like really give me a meaning and an understanding of this. Like, God, if I do sow this seed, like I'm looking for you to bless me out of obedience because I need to like that. That, that discernment has to come out. Right. You got to see God in it. And then so I'll pro- I'm not gonna be the guy to drop the third the, the 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 thousand. I might be the guy to drop the fifty out of obedience. And then I'm praying while I'm going up there and say, Lord, I'm doing this out of obedience, God, because of how good you've been to me. And I know this money is going to ministry. I'm not expecting a miracle that a man is promising me. I'm just doing this out of obedience because of how good you are. You you've been to me. And if you have something more in store for me because from, from this seed that I'm sowing, Lord, I will willingly accept it, right? But the thousand and all that, like, no, nah, I'm not with that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Jameer, Reverend Jameer, if, if you're up there and uh, because I know how it goes, I've been in that uh, setting. Uh, the, con- the, the pastor that invites you to speak tells you that they're low on money. Are you tempted to raise a prophetic offering? Wow. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Well, you, you switched the question, but I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Right. You hit me with the uppercut. I'm back, though. 
so let me say this. Uh, Pastor Neymar spoke very well. The seed, right? So I am a firm believer that I cannot buy my blessings from God. I insult God if I think I can buy my blessings. So I, I don't agree with the, the thought process and the theology of it. Now, to Tim's point, I respect that. Because at the end of the day, I've been in the seat and God has told me to give. But it's not my responsibility. So if he comes up and say, I, I, you know, if I to answer your question directly, if he comes up and say, hey, well, I need you to raise the offer. Now, God moves on the heart of the people. And my prayer is that if I am declaring the gospel, that people's heart is moved. And I won't have to do that because I believe in the power of God that much. But for you, if you think I'm going to do an extended call afterwards, I can't do it because I don't believe in it. Uh, as me being in fail, I don't. I can't work nowhere. I can't sell something I don't believe in. And so, if you ask me to do that, you're asking me kind of to go against what my belief is and where I walk with God. But I, have, I do believe in the power of sowing the seed. For the scripture tells you, some come to plant, some come to water, but the Lord brings the harvest. So I will encourage you to sow a seed. Now I'm not going to put our mount on it. And if we believe God enough, faith, that need that you need to be met, as uh, Pastor Doris said. As the executive pastor, that need may be the mortgage needs to be paid. God will provide if we're in alignment and a will with his word. But a lot of times, uh, I was at, before I, we started my church plant, the church plant I'm a part of four and a half years ago, I was at a very affluent church in the South Suburbs, a Baptist church, uh, where I served in many capacities in ministry. And every year, we would bring this one prophetess. Now, she would... At one point in her ministry, she was very, very accurate. I mean, she was an accurate prophet. She would come with the word, uh, prophesied to me some things that were very on point, on target. But the thing that turned her away is she would do. I need 10 people to give a thousand. Her thing was the year. It was always, it was, so if it was 2019, I need 10 people to give $2,019. I need if you can't, but what she would always do is if you can't give that, well, if you can't, I need you to get $20 and 19 cents. You know, she was, she would try, but it would turn people off because if you don't have it, you, it's almost you teach the theology or you teach the mindset that I can buy my gifts from God. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can, I can, I can make this work for me. I, 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 God is foolish enough. And he said he was withholding nothing good from us. So right. it goes against the preaching and the teaching of the text when we start to do that and try to barter with God. We can't buy God. God woke you up this morning. He didn't give you a bill when you got out the bed. He Amen. let you get up in the activity of your limb. When hardship happened, uh, I preached this past week about King Jehoshaphat. And the thing about King Jehoshaphat, when hardship came, he didn't go. Uh, I said this Sunday, he went and went back to the essentials. He went back to fasting praying the Lord's word, and then he, and then the Levite, Jehaziel, that was present, is the one who actually began to worship. And when King Jehoshaphat saw him worshiping, he bowed down and worshiped as well. And so I think that's how we incline, because he is pleased with our worship, not with our dollar. Dollar is man. Money and currency comes from man. God is the giver of all things. And he doesn't withhold anything good from us if we trust him with our resource, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And that goes into another conversation about bringing the, the, the tithe 
or do we believe in just giving? But I'll leave that for another day. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Look, I know you guys have been on here and you guys agreed to 30 minutes. I'm going to respect my times. I know I've been over, but I want to hit one more last question. And I've been juggling the question. Should it be performance versus worship or should it be the question of sex? Um, and when I keep looking at my viewers, it seems like every time we start talking about sex, we get more viewers. So guess what? We're going to talk about sex. So, best name is, I'm going to start with you. Jameer, I'm going to try to leave you out because, you know, I don't want anybody to say, Reverend, having sex, you know. So, <laughs> as a name, I'm going to start with you. I grew up in this grand old church. I remember back in purity class, I had a certain teacher who should not be named, told us, and this is absolutely wrong, that they were forbidden positions. Told us that <laughs> I'm about to get in trouble. Told us that hitting it from the back is wrong. I'm gonna start with you, Naven. Oh, it is what it is. Is there forbidden positions between a husband and a wife? <laughs> you seriously want to start with me? <laughs> like he he owns something, my pastor. He owns something, man. You seriously want to start with me? He he baited me too. Uh, <laughs> Okay, Cody, whoever taught you that, and we don't have no names, whoever taught you that was it's probably something that they couldn't do. <laughs> gotcha. One thing that I have learned about the, and I'm not, not, not going to call it the grand, I'm talking about we that minister. Many, we speak, we speak against many things that we can't, we can't do. So we speak against it no matter what it is. So my, my nature is, is is transparency so i have found that out of course the uh we know what the bed is under foul and and, and it when, when and the bed is under foul it does not naturally mean positions and 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 uh freakiness it right. actually means the mindset of you and your mate is it's whatever so in that that is a different like dynamic 30 years ago, they weren't going to have you in priority class, Cody, and telling you, hey, it's whatever. They not going to go there, but the, the day is different. My young people ask me about sex. My young people are, it's, it's just a different day where they'll be like, pastor, this is the deal. This is the whatever. And so it allows me to give counsel from uh, a level of openness. It's because truth be told, a lot of us, even at that age, we were doing the same thing. We just didn't put it on social media. Right. I'm preaching to somebody, but I'm going to leave that alone. But that's my answer. The devil right. on social media. The, the mind. Well, <laughs> the bed is undefiled. Somebody well, old oh, hey, I know some of the elders that came out of your church, some old school <laughs> singers. And they said, no, Reverend, you can't hit it. From the back, you only do a missionary and you can't take blue shoes. What is your response? Well, I gotta say, I, I'm gonna respectfully disagree. I was related to some elders uh, very closely who thought that. Not my father, not my father. Uh, but the Bible handling says marriage, I like how you handled it. The Bible says marriage is honorable in all. All right. Ah. And the bed is undefiled. So I think you want to make sure that we knew to me if it if it is cool with your spouse. If it's something that you both consent to, if you both feel comfortable, if you talk about it, if you communicate, um, then to me, uh, in in the confines of a marriage, I, I mean, it's up to you two what's off limits. Um, I, I, I guess what, what I get concerned is when a grown man or a grown woman asks me, and I've been asked this, 
is it okay to do this with my wife? Is it okay to do this with my husband? And I look at him like, I'm not married to your wife. You ask her if it's okay. Because yes, that's between you all. I, I don't I don't want to know. I don't care. Uh if you if you do it in your marriage, I don't believe it's sinful. That's between you all. You know, right. so sometimes I think people are looking for an excuse not to do something they don't want to do anyway, and they want to use the church or the word or, or to say, Well, I don't I we shouldn't do that. No, you just need to have better communication because obviously it's something that you don't want to do or she don't want to do in the first place, and they're using the church as an excuse. Ooh, that was heat. Tim, somebody tries to counsel you and your wife and says, Tim, I don't even want you holding hands. You can't be doing that. Is it only missionary for you? What's going on? Bring it out. Bring it out. Wait. Where well, say that at up in here? <laughs> All right. right. Hey, okay, I hear you. Can you find that? Here you go. You can borrow it right here. Can you find that for me in there? Let me know what it is. Or this is just something coming out what you uh something coming out your heart. Yes, sir. Right. I'm challenging you with the word. You want to bring God in it? You got man, please. You're an expert in it too. Here, find it in here for me, please. Right, please give me right. Oh, you can't. I ain't trying to hear what you're saying right now. Period. <laughs> I tell you. No, that make, I mean, that makes sense. I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. I didn't listen to him then. Not going to listen to him now. That's how I wrote. Yeah. I, already, I already decided. I'm like, look, yeah. Jesus on my heart. I yeah. got a spreadsheet when I get to yeah. heaven on that day. Like, yeah. God, I done done this, this, this. All these pastoral yeah. anniversaries that I had to do. You better. <laughs> you better. Release Release is one thing, reproduction is one thing, and pleasure is another. And those are all three things that you can accomplish when you with your significant other and your wife that you took a vow to to be with. And you know what I'm saying? What what what's in your bedroom? Stay in your bedroom and don't need to go outside of your bedroom. And if somebody try to challenge it, tell them to, to find it in the book and then we can talk about it. If not, man, I don't even trying to hear what you got to say. Hello, whips. Cameras, everything. <laughs> we all get down. Blue shoes and everything. Uh, blue shoes is a real thing. Look, hey, but, wow. Hey, for real though, it, <laughs> I heard, I heard a thing, man, about like some pastors like throwing toy parties and stuff. Like, have y'all heard of that? <laughs> no. Somebody brought that up to. Uh, we did a uh, in my premarital counseling. Uh, well, in the session, uh, they were talking about how some pastors and and. Uh, or like you know, having toy parties. I don't know where. Maybe it's in Atlanta. I don't know. Hey. I don't know. But I mean, I, I don't know. But no. I mean, I, I think, think that's more. Heard I'm honest with you. That's probably more common among women. Women can talk about that stuff. Like this, is my you know, be like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know. Hey, hey Tim. All I can do is speak for me, man. I haven't. I haven't had a toy party, man. <laughs> right. I don't do toys. Hey, I'm like, I don't need them. All right, look, this has been an amazing episode. Jameer, where can they connect with you? What are you doing? Uh, you can connect with me on Facebook as uh, Jameer Atkins or on Instagram. Uh, I think it's JC Atkins. No, I think it's my real name now. I think it's JC Atkins or something like that. But if you if you find me on Facebook, you can find me on Instagram as well. Awesome, Pastor Damon. What do you do? I know you got the convocation. I shared the video. Where can they connect with you? What are you doing? Uh, man, Facebook, IG, uh, NamonWilliams.org. Holler at your boy. Damon, where can they connect with you? What are you doing? 
uh, Facebook, Demon Doris, or you can give me on IG, D underscore Doris. So, and anywhere. Anytime. Awesome. Tim, where can they connect with you? What are you doing? You can find me on Facebook, uh, Timothy Tremaine. Awesome, awesome. Look, I appreciate it. I appreciate it to my guests. I love these guys so much. Thank you again for this episode. Like I said, next week, I got the legalization of marijuana politics today, social security. We are also starting a series that's going to be amazing on black beauty. I'm talking about black hair, all the way down to colorism. August about to be lit. Hot Girl Summer episode is next week. Y'all don't want to miss that. I got, some, I got some baddies that I had to ask that a personal friend's about to be on there. But until next time, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Blessings. All right, brother.